This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Well, a happy Friday. Thank you for jumping on here on ESPN Des Moines. And before we get any further, before we bring in our first guest, before we get start talking about Carissa Thompson or the Michigan scandal, happy birthday to our producer, Kira. Am I allowed to ask how old you are, like 22 today or something? Uh, 28. 28 today. Happy birthday. Thank you. With that, I know the one thing Kira wants is to hear us talk Iowa football. I believe that's number one on your birthday wish list, isn't it? Well, let's bring in the best in the business from HawkeyeNation.com. Rob Howe is with us. Rob, appreciate the time so much. How are you, friend? Doing well, Mike. Good to talk to you. You as well. What are people more broken up about in Iowa City? Cooper DeGene's foot or Caitlin Clark's bad shooting night? I'm going to say Cooper DeGene in a landslide. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin will bounce back. Unfortunately for Cooper, um, we probably won't see him at Iowa again. God, that was the most... But when I was just scrolling through Twitter like two days ago when the news was coming down, it was shocking to hear it. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. Did it happen in the game? I don't remember it happening in the game. And then you find out he planted and twisted and popped it in practice. So you do think that's it. He's gone to the NFL. I would say so, Mike. I mean, he's probably, I mean, every mock you look at, he's mid first round, uh, um, I looked it up, and it's roughly eight to ten million dollars signing bonus in there. So, I mean, I guess he could come back, but if you just look at it logically, it seems like it was a pretty, you know, he wasn't doing anything in a game or anything like that. It was a pretty innocent play in practice, and he's out for the year. So that obviously would wake him up and the people around him to, hey, you know, this is an injury. You, you know, what happens if it gets worse next time? Let's let's make a move. And he's ready. I mean, we've seen it this year. He's ready for the NFL. Yeah, next time you talk to him, ask him what it's like, uh, what it's going to be like to play next to his buddy, Lucas Van Ness, because my Green Bay Packers <laughs> could really use DeGene in the secondary, put him somewhere in there and let him return kicks. I would love to see that. I was listening to uh, Coach Ferentz talk about Cooper DeGene as one of the great football players he's ever been around. Do you think we took his greatness for granted in the short time we had him in Iowa City? I think it was building Mike. He really only played two years. Mm-hmm. I mean his true freshman year he was, you know, a role player and then he got his chance in the bowl game, but it's really only been two seasons for him. Um, you know, the old days when guys stayed for four years, he probably could have could have built his legend a la Tim Dwight. But he's in that conversation of electric players like Tim Dwight and Iowa Lore, doing this for 27 years, and he's in the sh- he's on the short list of best players. Just natural instincts. He's a guy that you could see playing receiver. We saw him a little bit on offense. I wish we would have seen more. Uh, but he's a guy that's just a really good football player. When you see what he does instinctually in the return game, stuff you don't teach. He's just that good, and uh, yeah. If your Packers end up getting him, it's a steal in the draft, in uh, my opinion. I, unfortunately, I feel like Green Bay is going to be drafting top 10 the way they're playing, right? <laughs> so that might be a bit of a reach. Uh, talking to Rob Howe, HawkeyeNation.com. Follow him on Twitter at Rob Howe HN. I'm Mike Wicket here on ESPN Des Moines. It's usually, like, take, for example, what happened last night. Joe Burrow gets hurt. You kind of think the Bengals season is over, at least for a month. It's with the with the Iowa Hawkeyes, and I'm try, I don't want to frame this in a negative light. Yeah, they're in first place in the Big Ten West. Yeah, they're 16th in the college football playoff. 
but no one's expecting greatness out of the Hawks the last two weeks and then, you know, whatever happens. So as as much as it sucks to lose Cooper DeGene, does this really change the course for Iowa this year? I wouldn't say for the next two games, Mike, because I think with Illinois and Nebraska, you're not playing – you're not playing Michigan and Ohio State right. <laughs> or, or even Penn State. I think Iowa compete, can compete just fine without Cooper DeGene in those two games. You'd love to have him. It sucks for the kid. But really, if you're looking ahead to Iowa only needing one more win or somebody else to lose and pretty much in the driver's seat, what can you do when you get to Indy? And he not having him there not only from a defensive perspective, but really from a return perspective, Mm -hmm. and then maybe being able to use him on offense. I still think there was a chance that they were building for that. Uh, It's a huge loss for them. And and really, that's what we're kind of looking forward to. If Iowa can win the West, how are they going to compete when they get to Indy? The last time they were there, they didn't compete. How does this team shape up if it gets to that point? Do you think they're going to get to Indy? I mean, with their quarterback play, I mean, the the West is just... Good God. <laughs> the West is the West. Let's just leave it at that. But do you think they run these next two and get to Indy? I don't know if they run the next two, but they got to win one of these, right? And if they don't, can Illinois or Nebraska win both? I mean, it's just everything is pointing to Iowa winning this. You never say never because I think everybody was making their plans last year before Black Friday, and Nebraska threw water on that and pretty, and, you know, took Iowa out of that game. So I think. Kirk has their attention because of what happened last year. I I think too many things have to happen for them not to get to Indy. Is this the most banged up injury riddled Hawkeye team on memory? I think so. I mean, I think everybody goes back to 2004 when they were down to their like fourth, fifth string running back. Uh, and then still ended up, that was the last Big Ten championship that Iowa won that year. Um, and they, it was kind of that same thing. Just, what else can happen here, right? Can, is somebody else going down? And it was just like boom, boom, boom at running back. This is different because you're, you're all – it's your quarterback. It's your two – arguably your two best offensive players, Eric All and Luke Lachey, and now arguably your MVP of the season goes down as well. That's just – that's a gut punch. They get Illinois coming up in the Illini 5-5. Five and five. I don't – honestly, I don't know how good Illinois is. I haven't watched a lot of Illinois football – do you think they're more likely, if they get just one, to get Illinois or to get Nebraska, who, by the way, year one under Matt Rule, they don't suck? No, and, and both of these teams are very formidable defensively. You look at Illinois, Mike, they have two of the best defensive tackles or the best de- one of the best defensive tackle tandems in the country in Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph Jr. Those guys are difference makers up the middle. That is concerning when you think about, you know, um, Deacon Hill's pocket presence. We've seen him kind of fumble the ball, kind of get tappy feet like that. He's going to have to deal with that Saturday. And even though he took a step forward against Rutgers, he's going to have that challenge again this week. I think it's probably harder if you lose to Illinois going into that Nebraska game where maybe Nebraska, whoever wins that game wins the West. That's a whole lot more pressure. I think Iowa needs to take care of business this week and just put it to rest. If you go to that last Black Friday short prep week, you know, on the road, anything can happen. What do you make of Deacon Hill taking over for Cade McNamara? I've been reluctant to jump on him too much, Mike, because he 
wasn't prepared to be in this position. He's a kid that hasn't played much at all in college football at Wisconsin last year. He was headed to Fordham uh, through the portal until Iowa grabbed him out of that. This was Cade McNamara. All the eggs were in that basket. They were not paired for Cade McNamara got hurt. That's not his fault. That's Iowa's fault. He's getting better as the season goes on. Super kid. I think he gets it. He's smart. Just hasn't had enough reps. Over under one half point in the first half this weekend for Iowa. <laughs> over under a half a point. Over under half. They can't score in the first half. They haven't done it the last two weeks. It's been some of the literally, like, so the most, you just look at drive charts. Like, I love doing that when it's 0 0 going into a half. It's punt, punt, fumble, miss field goal, punt, punt, punt. They've done that two weeks in a row, Rob. No, I'm with you, man. I'm there watching it every week. <laughs> I am sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's the formula, right? We know this is what Iowa needs to do to win. This is the blueprint. You play field position. You've got, you know, if not the best, one of the best punters in the country. You've got really good coverage teams. You've got a good field goal kicker, excellent defense, one of the three scoring defenses in the country you have to lean into that you can't let your offense make mistakes you let the other two phases set up the offense and then at that point let the offense make plays when it's in advantageous positions you're not this is not an offense built to continually go 80 yards for for scores this is an offense that needs help from its offense or from its defense and specialty HawkeyeNation.com's Rob Howe joining us here on ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wickett. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Howe HN. You mentioned Tory Taylor. Have you ever been around or have you, can you remember a punter declaring early? <laughs> well, part of that is he's 26. Yeah, right? I, I know. But I was just like, I've never, not only did he declare early, he declared with four games to go. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, he, he had a decision to make last year yeah. coming out. And his situation is just so unique. His story is just so unique. I mean, he came here uh, during COVID. He, his visa was held up. Um, he got here late. Uh, he had never actually been to an American football game until he played in one. So um, this kick Australia is very interesting. I, I'd encourage all your listeners to, to research it a little bit because it's, it's feeding college football, which is then feeding the NFL. These Australian punters are something else, and he is like the poster child for what it can be. And just incredibly to watch him get better as the years have gone on, um, it's really hard to make the NFL. There's only one on a, one per roster, but if anybody can do it, I think this kid can. Talking to Rob Howe, HawkeyeNation.com on Twitter at Rob Howe HN. Uh, looking ahead to next year, and I don't want to get past their last two games in the Big Ten Championship and whatever happens in the bowl game and all that stuff. You're going to have a new offensive coordinator. We're not sure who that's going to be. The Brian Ferentz thing has been, I mean, the offseason was just insane between the conversation about his his this uh, contract and the signing bonus, the gambling stuff, only apparently affecting two schools in all of college football, Iowa and <laughs> Iowa State, which is amazing. Uh, I mean, it, it's just been such a strange offseason, and then to lose McNamara and to lose Lachey, it's almost like, man, they just need spring to get here for a break, and, and maybe things will calm down so they can actually put together a football team and, and, and try to have some continuity. 
Yeah, it's just, it's a different landscape, isn't it, Mike? Yeah. You think about it, December 4th, the transfer portal opens, and then all heck breaks loose for like a month. Or I don't even, it's probably not even that long, because I think they cut it off after a little bit of time there, and then they reopen it again. But, you know, what Iowa did last year, Iowa, if you think about it, Iowa's offense was awful the last two years, but they still sold it this year, coming into the season. Why? Cade McNamara, Eric All, two offensive linemen, a couple receivers. They address needs in the transfer portal. That's what they're going to have to do again. Now, the interesting thing is you've got a quarterback that tore his ACL during this season who says he's coming back. How ready is he going to be? How much prep is he going to get going into next year? Do you have to address that position again in the portal? We, that's a position that we've seen struggle in this program for this entire decade what can they do there to me that's the number one and then can you address the receiver position can you strengthen your offensive line which has still been inconsistent that's what it's going to come down to for me how did what is roster management looking like between the end of this season and next season is the starting quarterback currently on this roster for next year i think it's McNamara, provided he continues with his rehab and and get you know if, if he's trending towards playing, but you're playing a danger. I guess you can go into that late portal period in May. If it doesn't look like he's going to make it and address it, how do you feel about Deacon Hill? How's Mark Lanez, the true freshman that's on the roster now? How's he developing? A lot of things we don't know, Mike, that the coaches are privy to. But that any way you slice it. They have got to get good quarterback play next year, no matter who it is. Hey, uh, Rob, appreciate the time so much, my friend. Uh, continued success to you, and uh, I'll go back to where we started. Get back out there and help Caitlin Clark work on her jumper. I will get right on that. <laughs> Thanks for coming <laughs> on, man. Thanks, buddy. Rob Howe, HawkeyeNation.com. Follow him on Twitter, X, at Rob Howe HN. That's at Rob Howe HN. It is an interesting situation with Iowa. I mean, they're... Like I said, you go back a year from from now, go backwards a year. There was no Cade McNamara. They were getting ready to roll into the Big Ten championship game. You go to the spring, McNamara transfers in in December, like you said. Eric All, his buddy from Michigan, comes with him. And then in the springtime, we're all getting ready to see, okay, what can Cade McNamara, this Michigan transfer, do? And then, boom, gambling. What? And then, boom, the, uh, the, the, the contract situation with, Brian Ferentz comes up and now it's a laughing stock. They're the laughing stock of college football because it's like you need them to average 25 points per game. They can't even do that. I mean, that's pathetic. That'd be like 94th in college football. I think was the number we looked at or somewhere in that area. You got to win seven games and average 25 points per game. Well, even with Mac early, they weren't able to do that. And there were, there are Twitter accounts and everything mocking Brian Ferentz in this offense, not being able to get there. So there is still, and then there are not a lot of answers. There aren't a lot of answers that came out of this season when it comes to what about the 2024 offense? There's probably more question marks about the 24 offense because of the quarterback situation. You're going to want Cade McNamara, who's had two major knee injuries. He's the guy you're going to pour your, 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 your heart and your soul and all your time into again. Are you going to go with Deacon Hill? Who, you know, if you, I wonder what Deacon Hill would look like as the, you know, the, the number one quarterback or number two quarterback getting a significant amount of reps in the spring and the fall. Like, what do you do there? They've got the freshmen, the portal, is, as Rob was talking about. Like, there are so many different question marks that I don't think Iowa fan was thinking he was going to have to a- ask or answer 
coming out of this season. But it's just been a, a real tricky up and down season. And they're going to lose their best weapon, their punter, and their best player on defense in DeGene. Like, there's so much going into next year. So many questions for Coach Ferentz to figure out. And again, thanks to uh, Rob Howe, HawkeyeNation.com. Coming up, I will set you up for the weekend. Man, oh, man, do we have a lot of sports coming up this weekend. Live sports all over ESPN Des Moines. And we're going to have to talk about Carissa Thompson. We'll get to that next. So we also flipped the Christmas music today. Is that what you're telling me, Kira, that ESPN Des Moines? <laughs> okay. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Not only did the Christmas station in the building or the easy listening station in the building flip to Christmas, we did too. All right. It's going to be a real interesting ratings period for us. Uh, happy Friday. Hello to you. Oh, I got to turn my camera back on. Thanks for checking us out here on ESPN Des Moines. On 1021 FM and 1350. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. A happy Friday. Man, oh man. Let's see if I can remember all the live sports we have this weekend. So tomorrow, Drake football's finale. They are at Butler. They've won seven in a row. Is that right? They've won seven straight. Uh, after that, we will have... Do we have Washington? Yeah, we have the Washington game... They're playing at Oregon State. Also, we have the Battle for Los Angeles. We have USC and UCLA tomorrow. And then Sunday, early Drake men's hoops. They're playing against Oakland University in the Cayman Islands Classic. I'm so upset, so angry. They didn't send me to go cover the Cayman Islands Classic with Drake. What's up with that? Uh, Michael Admire will have the call for you real early, like 9.30 on Sunday morning. Followed by the 13-time world champion Green Bay Packers taking on the Chargers at Lambeau Field. We'll have that one. Uh, Chris Carlin on ESPN will have the play-by-play of that one. And then after that, we have Drake women's hoops against uh, Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes, who are going to be pissed off because <laughs> they just got beat yesterday. Can we hear from Caitlin real quick? Uh, Iowa just got beat by Kansas State yesterday. Caitlin Clark had maybe the worst shooting night of her entire Iowa career. We have to understand we're not going to shoot the ball great every game. I'm not going to shoot the ball great every game, but we have to find other ways to win. And I thought that's the biggest area we grew last year and, you know, another area we can grow in in this year. And I think the maturity of this group will understand, you know, this loss isn't going to break our season or whatever. It's just going to teach us a lot of things we can get better at. Two straight years Iowa's lost to Kansas State. Wildcats got them last year as well. And can't, uh, Iowa was on their way up. I think they were two going to be one at some point, potentially in college basketball in the women's rankings. And to lose, and, and, and I don't want to belabor this point because I made it during the controversy around the end of last year's women's championship with Angel Reese uh, and the, the fouls that we found out last week. The NCAA is like, hey, we got some of those wrong. And they changed the Caitlin Clark rule. Now you don't have to get the ball right back to the official. Uh, Caitlin Clark was two of 16 from three last night and like nine of 30 or nine of 34 from the floor, something like that. If she doesn't score 35, it's tough for them to win. Or if she doesn't have a 27, 10 and nine kind of night, it's tough for Iowa to win. That's why Iowa could play LSU, that LSU team 10 times and they wouldn't win one. Maybe they'd win one. Maybe because she, the talent drop off from Caitlin Clark to everybody else, not a disrespect. I'm just saying there's a huge drop-off from Caitlin Clark to the rest of that Iowa Hawkeye team, at least right now. 
Maybe Stalky can get better. Maybe a couple of the other girls can hit bigger shots on the outside. But if Caitlin Clark's off, Iowa most nights is not going to win. Uh, but they get Drake, and we'll have that one for you right here on ESPN Des Moines on Sunday. All right. So if you haven't, there's a lot of controversy, a lot of, uh, I guess controversy is the best way. Scandal. I don't know the right way to put it. There's a lot of weird stuff going on in sports. And normally I spend most of the show talking about football. But I want to talk about a woman who talks about football for a living here for a second. If you have not seen Carissa Thompson, uh, she hosts, she now hosts uh, Amazon Prime's NFL Thursday night coverage. And for a while, you saw her on the sidelines, and she's very talented. But she was on a podcast, and perhaps you've heard of Barstool. Like, you would think you're on a, you know you're on a podcast that has millions of fans. Barstool, not my cup of tea, could be yours, that's fine, I don't care. But Barstool had her on a podcast, Dan Katz and PFT commenter. They did an interview, and she was being complimented on how sideline reporters um, have a very small amount of time to get information from a coach or a player, package it, get it organized, and then get it up to TV. Like, it was a compliment that was being paid to her and the rest of the sideline reporters. But she then went ahead and said this, and I'm going to read it to you because I can't find the podcast anywhere online. Weird. I've said this before. I haven't been fired for saying it, but I'll say it again. I would make up the report sometimes because a, the coach would come out at half or wouldn't come out at halftime or it was too late. And I didn't want to screw up the report. So I was like, I'm just going to make this up because first of all, no coach is going to get mad. If I say, Hey, we need to stop hurting ourselves. We need to be better on third down. We need to stop turning the ball over and do a better job getting off the field. They're not going to correct me on that. So I'm like, it's fine. I'll just make up the report. This set off a firestorm, a firestorm in the sports media world. I have several takes on this. All right. First of all, if this is true, that is horrendous. The access, like I'm the viewer, I'm going to take off this microphone and the headphones and I sit and watch football just like you do. All right. I'm on the couch. I'm drinking White Claw. I'm having my chips, whatever. I'm, I'm watching football. And I, I think as a, as a common fan, like everybody else, like I'm very jealous of the access that sideline reporters like Carissa Thompson have to be able to speak to a coach or a player or whatever access they have. Like they work their way up from the bottom, like the rest of us in every industry that we all work in. And they establish a sense of trust with the coach, with the team, with the organization to have access to coach. Because you're an honest reporter with integrity. Like, that's what you're viewed as. But when you go on a podcast, and apparently she had done this, had this same exact conversation a couple of years ago with Aaron Andrews, also a very well-known, you know Aaron Andrews. She's been on the football sidelines since I was like 20. She, They both admitted to, quote, taking liberties with some of their sideline reports a few years ago. But while Thompson previously alluded to paraphrasing or embellishing what coaches told her on this podcast with Barstool, she admittingly said that she came out and made up a sideline report. Well, that ain't good, as they say. That's not good. Now, 
I think it it really tarnishes her record. I really think it does. I think right now she's in a position where she doesn't have to talk to coaches or players. Right now she is basically the traffic cop on Thursday Night Football at Amazon Prime. And she'll probably stay there as long as they'll keep her because I don't think another network is going to want to hire her. I don't think a team is going to want to hire her to be their sideline reporter because no one's going to trust her. And if no one trusts her, no one's going to talk to her. So then what's the point? And then when you get on TV and you report, I talked to Coach Belichick and Belichick told me, did he really? Or are you just making that up? It killed. She killed her own credibility yesterday. And here's the other side that I, my initial second reaction. Why would you say it? Even if it's true, why would you say it? No one sees what you don't put in the window. Why on earth would you tell people you lied at your job? A fact-based job. A job where millions of idiots like me are sitting at home like, tell me they want to shore up turnovers. Like the most generic stuff in the world. We eat it up, even though it's pretty pointless. But we sit there and watch. Like, uh, let's go down to Carissa now. She's got uh, Coach Matt LaFleur of the Packers. I'm just, I'm not leaving the TV. I'm watching it. Why would you say it? There is a phrase. I don't know if you've heard this one. Silence is golden. People only know, and I'm not going to call Carissa stupid, but when you have that friend or that buddy that just doesn't stop talking and starts saying stupid stuff, people only know how ignorant or stupid you are when you let them. Carissa Thompson We didn't know that you were lying. No one knew you were lying. Not a person. No one would have been like, you know what? I bet Carissa Thompson's just making this stuff up. You can joke about it, but now you just confirmed it. And of course, today we had the uh, the, the the Instagram post from Carissa Thompson saying that, you know, my words were taken out of context. I've never lied. I've never made anything up. A lot of all the damage control. You already let the toothpaste out of the tube. You can't put it back in. You have already said, I just make stuff up. The coach didn't come out. You can't now, you you could have said in your initial interview, I watched the game and I'm giving you my opinion. But you can't say, Coach Belichick told me this. Or Coach Belichick wants to do this without actually hearing him say it and then go on TV with it. Completely killed her credibility. And the sports media world was livid. Livid with this. A lot of drama. Margaret Uber. From ESPN, this is extremely infuriating and completely un- and completely unethical. Don't for one second believe this is the norm. This is already a role in a profession that is already stereotyped as just being eye candy. And Carissa Thompson is beautiful. Like there's there's a reason I'm not a sideline reporter. There's many reasons, but one of them is this face does not look as good on TV as that face does. All right, people associate sideline reporters as pretty. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic, one of the lead writers from The Athletic. She admitted this out loud. Why would anyone trust anything she reports on from here on out? Daryl Reuter from 92.3 The Fan in uh, Cleveland. Not sure claiming to make up generic sideline reports is something one would be proud of. I'm proud to make public, yet here we are. Jeff Goodman, one of my favorite college basketball writers, tweeting out yesterday, I really, really hope she was just joking about this. I don't think she was 
I don't think she was just joking about this. Uh, Kyle Tucker, who writes for The Athletic for the Kentucky Basketball. Uh, how do you not get fired for proudly admitting to making up reports? Catherine Tappen. This is a good one right here. Uh, from uh, The Athletics. From The Athletic writes, I hold myself to the highest standard in everything I do. I know my hardworking colleagues do the same. We earn respect the hard way. To those commenting on the irrelevant role of sideline reporters, beat it. We are journalists. These actions are not normal. They're not. I actually reached out to two, and you can call me sexist, but I reached out to two female reporters, sports reporters, to come on the show. Nobody wants to come on and talk about it. And I understand that. You want to keep your distance, and that is fair. You, you know, silence, again, silence is golden. Because one day, maybe Carissa Thompson's your boss. <laughs> you don't want to be the one that came on ESPN Des Moines with somebody, nobody named Mike Wickett and be like, you blasted me. You're not getting the job. But I did reach out and uh, wanted to come on and comment on the situation. It is very touchy right now, I believe, for female sideline reporters. It's always, there's a credibility thing that they struggle for, that women struggle to, to hold on the sideline. Like my father, 76 years old, thinks that's the dumbest thing in the world to have a woman on the sideline reporting football. That's what you're fighting against. My boomer father, who I love, thinks that you have no place on TV. Like, what's the point of you? Meanwhile, they, like, it's not 1965 anymore, Dad. Chicks like ball, okay? Women like football. Kira, you are in a fantasy football league. You just, yep. Your quarterback just broke his wrist yesterday. I don't want to talk about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there are more and more women making bigger impacts in sports media than ever and ever, and it still feels like women have to fight tooth and nail to get any amount of credibility. There are some that are been, quote, accepted. Like Sarah Spain, I think a lot of people have accepted. Uh, Mina Kimes is a football genius and knows more than pretty much everybody in, the, in the, the sports media world about football. Like, there are some that have broken through, but there are others who have not. And this is always going to be a fight women are going to have, and this did not help in any way that fight. So it sucks. I don't know what's next for Carissa Thompson. Maybe this was a good weekend for it to just fizzle and die. We don't see Carissa until next Thursday. Maybe she does some damage control interviews over the weekend. I don't know. To me, silence would be golden. Move on. We have a very short memory in this country. People will forget about this. I believe people will forget about this, but maybe not. I mean, <laughs> there's still Brian Williams memes, and that dude lied about being in wars. And that was like eight years ago or whatever. There are more scandals to talk about in the world of sports, including uh, the Wolverines in Ann Arbor and the Bengals of Cincinnati. What were they hiding? We'll get to all that coming up next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. <laughs> the other home for Christmas music. In Des Moines, Des Moines' other Christmas music station, 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is uh, Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Happy Friday. No, we are not actually. I feel like sometimes you have to tell people we are not actually going all Christmas music. We are still going to have 
plenty of sports, live sports, sports talk, all that. Triple header tomorrow. Starting at 10.30 in the morning, Drake football, followed by two Pac-12 games. Dude, the Pac-12 is about to die. You better enjoy this. We're not going to get the Pac-12 anymore. These are all going to be Big Ten games, which is so strange. Uh, we'll have the battle for Los Angeles, USC, and UCLA, and then Washington, Oregon. Oregon, I'm sorry, Oregon State. Oregon State, by the way, is 12th in the country. I don't think I realized that till I looked at the college football playoff rankings. I'm like, 12? What is Oregon State doing? Uh, they're going to play spoiler potentially to undefeated Washington coming up tomorrow night. We'll have it for you. And then on Sunday, we go basketball, football, basketball, Drake and Oakland U in the Cayman Islands Classic. That's a 9.30 broadcast, followed by the Packers, the 13-time world champion, Green Bay Packers, taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. And then after that, we will have Drake women's basketball. Drake gets an angry Caitlin Clark and an angry Iowa Hawkeyes team up in Iowa City. Good luck. Hey, Drake's really good. But you got an angry Caitlin Clark, man. Telling you going to be a couple of great days of live sports all weekend long here on ESPN Des Moines. All right. Uh, so let's get to the University of Michigan. This story is not going away. And I'm going to tell you a story about Michigan that today is an anniversary of that is a very special anniversary in my world, in my life. But let's see here. So yesterday, where are we at now? Michigan took the three-game suspension or was handed a three-game suspension. Game one was last week, and they beat Penn State without Jim Harbaugh. All right, Harbaugh was not on the sideline. Didn't matter. Big game James, or not big game James. James Franklin and company losing another game to a ranked opponent. That guy is really good at beating the middle of the Big Ten and sucks at beating anybody good. So that's game one. Game two is Maryland coming up this weekend, and then game three is the game, Michigan and Ohio State. Potentially, with a, well, definitely with a Big Ten berth, Big Ten championship berth, and potentially a college football playoff berth on the line for Michigan and Ohio State. Two and three in your college football playoff rankings right now. And so the latest with Michigan was they were going to challenge it, right? That's all I heard after Michigan and Penn State. They were going to challenge the ruling handed down by the evil NCAA. And then all of a sudden yesterday... With no explanation, they were like, "Now nah, we're good. We'll take the three-game suspension. Because honestly, what I thought was going to happen was they were going to appeal, they were going to trim off the game, and then Michigan would get Harbaugh on the sideline to go opposite Ryan Day, and their people would be upset about it. But I thought that's what honestly what was going to happen. That's not what happened. What happened was Michigan said, okay, we're good. We'll do this. ESPN's... And Heisman Trophy winner, Desmond Howard, said this was a good move. You have to make a decision at some point that's going to give them a clear perspective moving forward of absolutely what they have to deal with. So I do believe that Jim Harbaugh once said after a press conference that he doesn't mind, like, taking the blame, the criticism, the arrows, as long as it protects his adolescent kids and his players. And I just think that's where we are right now. Just get it done. You know what? I understand that. I get it. More from Desmond Howard, who says this was about to get real ugly. You're looking at two sides. They were about to get into this cage match, a, a fight to the death cage match between the Big Ten's attorneys and Michigan's attorneys. And I think they say, listen, 
Let's not do this. We don't, we don't need this. Neither, neither side's going to benefit from it. So ultimately, given the information that Heather just gave us, I believe that they came to an amicable resolution. So they have decided we're going to take the three-game suspension. Why? Oh, here's some new evidence that we just got turned over. The NCAA presented the University of Michigan with new evidence this week. This was before their trial, their, their appeal trial, right? That a Michigan booster may have at least partially funded Connor Stallions. He's the spy. He's the guy on the sidelines. Connor Stallions advanced scouting operation and an assistant coach allegedly participated in the destruction of evidence on a computer after the scandal broke. This according to Yahoo. Multiple sources say that the now fired Chris Partridge is not alleged at this time of knowing about the advanced scouting by the Stallions, but acted after the fact to cover up evidence. Well, guess what? Who got fired this week? Guess who got fired? Chris Partridge, <laughs> Michigan's linebacker coach, got relieved of his duties effective immediately. Hmm. You don't think these two things are related? You don't think that these two things are related? Michigan said in a prepared statement from the outset are focused has been on seeking due process and allowing the NCAA to conduct a fair and deliberate investigation. Although the Big Ten has closed its investigation, we are continuing to cooperate with the NCAA as it moves forward with its ongoing investigation. Blah, 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 blah. Earlier today, Michigan Athletics relieved Chris Partridge of his duties as a member of the Michigan football staff. Okay, so what probably happened was Michigan was told, dude, we know that this booster, who, by the way, has a nickname of Uncle T., that's his nickname. He's named as Uncle T. Helped fund the scheme, giving Stallions thousands of dollars to scout illegally against the sportsmanship rules and all that stuff. That this Uncle T paid Stallions to go and do his thing. Does that connect to Jim Harbaugh? Maybe. My guess, and this is just me, the legal expert, Mike Wicket, ESPN Des Moines. My guess is the NCAA said, Dude, we have got you. Stop fighting us. Stop trying to appeal this. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to fire that guy. You're going to take our suspension, or else we are going to connect the dots from Uncle T to Jimmy H. That's what's going to happen, all right? We don't want to bring Michigan down. We know why they don't want to bring Michigan down, because Michigan is good for revenue in the NCAA, all right? Michigan in the end in the Big Ten championship, great. They probably will pound Iowa. Michigan in the college football playoff is great because it brings in, I believe the number used to be $13 million per school from the goes to the conference. So like 13 million gets spread over all of that. It's probably more now. And if by some outside shot, Ohio State also gets in, or let's say they beat Michigan and Michigan still gets in, they backdoor their way in or whatever. Now you've got double the money coming back to the Big Ten. Remember, it doesn't matter whose side you're on when it comes to Connor Stallions and scouting. The thing that matters to the university, the conference, to everybody is money. What does this do to our bottom line? As long as he wasn't hurting anyone, like as long as this wasn't, Jerry Sandusky or Bobby Knight choking people. As long as he wasn't harming the kids, we can look past a lot of stuff. We can look past electronic scouting. 
because we don't want it. Because if Jim Harbaugh is not there, there's probably a better chance Michigan doesn't go to the college football playoff or doesn't win a college football playoff game. You understand? This is all about dollars. So they looked at Harbaugh or Harbaugh's attorneys or whoever, and they said, Jim, we got a guy named Uncle T. He's a booster. Head coaches talk to boosters. Head coaches welcome boosters. Head co- boosters pay a lot of money to have access to coaches, to information, to stuff. Like, that's kind of the bonus of being super rich and loving your college and being a fan of football or basketball or whatever your thing is. So Uncle T, Tom Brady? No, I'm, I, no nobody's saying that but me. Nobody's saying that but me. Although he does, he has been involved in some interesting scandals at his time in the National Football League, so would it surprise anyone if Tom Brady was actually Uncle T? Maybe a little. I'd be a little surprised by that. Nothing shocks me anymore. But we got Uncle T. Uncle T's a booster. Uncle T paid a guy on your staff, whether you knew it or not, which he did. Uncle T paid a guy on your staff to go scout everybody illegally. Either you take the suspension and stop making a spectacle out of this, or, and you fire the coach that now has just, you know, been destroying stuff on a computer, or we're really going to drag you through this and connect you to Uncle T. All right, fine. I'll miss the Penn State game. I'll miss the Maryland game. And somehow, some way, Jim Harbaugh is going to miss the Michigan-Ohio State game. But guess what? According to ESPN's Heather Dinich, this ain't over. First of all, Michigan statement was wrong yesterday. The Big Ten never initiated any investigation. The Big Ten's information came from the NCAA. It is now in the NCAA's hands. The Big Ten and Tony Petiti reserved the right, though, to have further implications or punishments on Michigan if more evidence emerges. But right now, the Big Ten is not actively reviewing any evidence. This is in the NCAA's hands. Well, guess what? Let's see here. It is going to be the 1,000th game in Michigan history or something like that. I think I read this Maryland game. The 1,000th game. Can you check on that? Can you Google Michigan-Maryland 1,000th game real quick? Because there are some people in Ann Arbor who are unhappy. Look, I spent a lot of time in Ann Arbor. There's a lot of people in Ann Arbor who are unhappy. But there are some people in Ann Arbor who are unhappy that Jim Harbaugh won't be on the sideline this weekend for the game against Maryland at the big house. And I believe, I, I, I might be wrong, I may have read this wrong, but I think it's the 1,000th game or something like that. Does that make sense? Can you have, let's see, 10 games for 100 years, roughly it's 1,000 games, right? Because Michigan football's been playing since the dawn of time. I think this will be the 1,000th th- game, is that right? Something like that in Michigan history? Is that right? What do you got, Kira? Uh... Is it the 1,000th game in the history of Michigan football? Is that what it is? Yes. You've never yes. sounded more convincing. Yes. Yes. The one- there's, there's a lot of these articles that say thousandth win. Mm. So I'm like, is it their thousandth win or is it that they are going to the, win their thousandth game? They, they won thousandth game in Michigan football history. Think about that. The one thousandth game in Michigan football history is tomorrow. And the head coach is suspended for cheating. You cannot make real life up better than you can make up stuff in these that stuff that happens in sports, man. I'm telling you right now, it is the greatest reality TV in the world. Sport, you just never know what's going to happen in sports. I mean, look what we've talked about so far today. We talked about, you know, Iowa football earlier with Cooper DeGene breaking his foot with Rob Howe. If you missed that conversation, later on today, ESPNDesMoines.com. I'll have it up right after the show. Then we talked about a woman 
who admitted to making up stories on the sideline when she was doing her live shots. And now we got a coach who's paying or a booster who paid a guy on the staff to illegally uh, videotape and record the opposition before games. And in that three-year period he's been doing it, Michigan's been elite. That's not a coincidence, by the way. That is not at all a coincidence. Uh, real quick, I know we got to get to a break. Today is a very special anniversary in my life. Uh, it's not my wife and I, our marriage, no. Uh, I used to do, a, I got my first job doing a sports talk radio, at a sports talk radio station in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It was my first job. And I was doing the morning show for three and a half years while I was there. Worked my way up from intern to doing mornings, right? And so there we were on this day in 2006, November 17th, 2006, the night before Michigan and Ohio State one versus two. The game never had it been one versus two ever in the history of college football. And it was being played in Columbus the next day. So we had a 12-hour, basically, Michigan football pregame. Like, we were going balls to the wall, Michigan football, bringing guys in, calling up all these old players across the country, even talking to, like, Archie Griffin, who won two Heismans at Ohio State. And we even had Bo Schembechler on, the great, the legendary head coach, Bo Schembechler on. We had him on about 9.15 that morning. And he died half an hour after he hung up with us. Today is the anniversary of the death of Bo Schembechler, and it will always, like, knowing that my partner Dave Shand, who played uh, hockey at Michigan and then went on to have, a, I think, a nine-year career in the NHL, he and I were doing the morning show, and he and I were the last morning show, the last interview that Bo Schembechler had before he died. He actually was on his way to tape his TV show at the local ABC station, got out of the car, went in and went to the restroom and collapsed and died in the bathroom. That is how Bo Schembechler passed away. The man lived a very hard life. And his last interview was with me and my partner, Dave. Today is that anniversary. I will never forget it. Went down to Ohio, uh, went to the game. M maybe the best Michigan-Ohio State game there has ever been. Ohio State won. It sucked. But it was still an incredible, like, 24, 48 hours experience. I flew down in a four-person plane from Ann Arbor down to Columbus. I had never done that before. It was great. <laughs> It was a really a long, like my intern's dad had a plane and he was going to fly us down there. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'll go down there. That was before the game. It was at uh, 2006. So it's at 17 years ago. Wow. That makes me feel older than you are. And you're 28 today. Happy birthday, Kira. What's up with Cincinnati? What were they hiding? The NFL is angry with the Bengals. I'll explain next. What is this? What is this? Is this a Christmas song? No. Oh, but we what? have to get the people back. What? <laughs> this Taylor Swift is how we get the people back? Yeah. All right. You haven't seen that really cute video of her and Travis Kelsey, like, making out after she... Have I seen it? <laughs> it's all social media talked about for, like, 24 hours. You know what's amazing about this? And I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about Taylor Swift, but hang on. Dude, I there is some there, there's always this group of people. And by the way, this is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. I'll get to Joe Burrow here in a second.
there's always the collection of the it's not a big deal. Stop talking about Taylor Swift people. And that's fine. You're like, you can have your opinion. That's that's fine. I it doesn't affect me watching a football game or not watching a football game if Taylor Swift is there. I think Taylor Swift is an amazing, amazing performer. She's an incredible uh PR machine. Uh she is very nice. I've met her twice. Fortunate because my wife, I wrote her coattails into a VIP area when we lived in Kansas City two times. Taylor Swift's mom gave us a tour of Arrowhead. All right. For when she was performing there. Yeah. Yeah. What's up? Hey. <laughs> so I'm always going to be a, I wouldn't call myself a Swifty, but I'm always a fan of people who are great at their, their job and their profession. And she is the biggest pop star, maybe the most popular female on the planet. Like I, I think of who else the queen's dead. Oh yeah. Beyonce? Too, too, too soon. Was it too soon to talk about the dead queen? Sorry. But like the queen, who, Taylor Swift's bigger than Beyonce, but it's, she's number two. She's, okay. I think she's number okay. two in the music industry. Fair enough. Even people who hate this story, even people who have no care in the world about this story, even people who are like, okay, so what? Even they were tweeting and Facebooking about Taylor Swift getting off stage in Buenos Aires and running over to Travis and kissing him. It do, like Susie from Laser, who I work with, she doesn't give a rip about football. And she loves Pantera. So she's not into Taylor Swift at all, right? She shared it on her Facebook page. So it's like, you, you again, there's that group of people who are like, uh, Taylor Swift, she sucks. Who cares? Talk football. That's fine. But it is such an incredible, this story is so big. And it's so it's got so much mass appeal to it. Like you have the bro, like he's Travis Kelsey's a bro. And then you have the pop queen. And then they're met like he hosted SNL last year. Like that's (laughs) a big deal. There's only been like 11 athletes to host Saturday night live. And he did it, you know, and he's won two Super Bowls and he's arguably the greatest tight end in the history of the game. And then you've got her. She's the greatest pop star. Maybe, maybe ever. You know, if you want to fight me with Madonna or Michael Jackson, whatever your choice is, that's fine. Like, it's just amazing how appealing, mass appeal, this relationship is of two people that will never, ever affect your life. <laughs> like, unless, obviously, if you're a diehard Chiefs fan, you want Travis to play well. Uh, if you like her music, you want her to keep putting out new music. I did, one story I saw, I was like, Taylor's really out there drinking. Like, she's having cocktails with friends. She's 30! She's 30, and she's got famous friends, and she's rich. All right? That's what you do. All right? You want to have some cocktails at a football game? You do it. I think she's going to be there on Monday night, too, mm-hmm. when they play down at Arrowhead. I mm-hmm. think she'll be there for the Eagles and Chiefs. Would you say that this would never, ever, ever affect anyone? No. <laughs> no. Uh, NFL last night, it was the uh, Ravens over the Bengals, and Usually Thursday night games on paper suck. Usually they're Panthers bears and that sucks. I know that was the game eight days ago. I think the bears won. It's like such a snooze of a game. I think I started watching the Loki finale and never went back. It was awesome. By the way. It's just so good. So yesterday we actually get two teams that you can argue were favorites in the AFC. Definitely two teams going to be fighting the entire way, um, you know, for the AFC North. The problem was last night's game, while it was a fine game to watch, overshadowed by all of the injuries. Joe Burrow 
under a lot of scrutiny right now. The Bengals under a lot of scrutiny right now. Burrow has a wrist injury. And you saw it. He landed on it early. And you saw when he threw a pass, just a regular dart 15-yard pass or whatever it was, he bent down in pain. If you've ever hurt your wrist, you know that you, you're, you're just, even though it's up here, up high, you fall, to, you, you're just, it sucks to hurt your wrist. And we don't know the extent of the injury. We don't know what to make of the injury. But there's a grainy Zapruder-like film. Our younger listeners won't get that. Go look it up. There's a grainy film, a video or a screenshot of Burrow entering a facility, one of the football facilities yesterday, and he had a brace-like thing that like went around his wrist and went up and over to his fingers and back around his thumb, and it looked like it was stabilizing something. Joe Burrow was never on the injury list. In the National Football League, that is a no-no. If you don't, because of the gambling aspect, because of, uh, the competitive nature of the game, the competitive balance. Everyone has to disclose injuries. Burrow was never on the injury report, and the NFL is currently investigating what happened. From a football perspective, because Burrow left, Jake Browning came in, he sucks. Uh, the Bengals aren't going to go anywhere until Joe Burrow comes back. Well, ESPN's Jeff Thurn was wondering, is it even worth bringing Burrow back? If you're Cincinnati now and you sit there at five and five and you're looking up at the Steelers and you're looking up at the Ravens, you're neck and neck with the Browns there in the division and you don't have your starting quarterback. You also have a wide receiver in T Higgins who's been dinged up. At what point do you start to think about the future of the way that this organization is going to go moving forward? Even if you are the Cincinnati Bengals and you want to win this year, do you really think bringing Joe Burrow back at 50, 60, 80, you know, whatever the percentage is, yeah, yeah. is going to get you to leapfrog those other teams? I'd probably say no. And the last thing you want is some sort of lingering issue because you played him, you know? I don't know if he is going to be 100% until next year. Like, I'm not a wrist doctor. I don't know what two weeks of rest, three weeks of rest. Like, it became the Joe Mixon show last night. Jake Browning was terrible. Uh, did throw a touchdown pass to Jamar Chase, helping out my fantasy team to survive. Uh, more on my fantasy team at another time. Here's uh, the backup and probable starter for the Bengals, Jake Browning. I mean, it was a little bit on the sideline. Like, he, I saw when he threw that he grabbed it. So, started warming up a little bit then. But, it, I mean, that's kind of what I have to run through every week is you know, everybody's hoping everybody stays healthy, but it's kind of my job to say, like, all right, well, what if Joe gets hurt? And I got to prepare like he's going to get hurt. Didn't look like he prepared for much. I mean, everything was short. Everything was quick. Everything was to, to Joe Mixon, and they handed off the, the ball and ran the ball a lot yesterday, uh, which is what you have to do when you lose your starting quarterback. There's a huge drop-off in most NFL teams, almost every NFL team, because people love to call for the backup. Well, generally speaking, your backup sucks, especially when you have a very expensive uh, quarterback like the Bengals do in Burrow, and then they go to Jake Browning. We don't have time to talk all about my fantasy team. All right, well, hit me up on Twitter, at Mike Wicket, two Ts. I'll tell you all about it, even if you don't want to hear about it. Uh, my thanks to Rob Howe for joining us. <laughs> Is this back-to-back Taylor? Yeah. Thank you. Happy birthday, Kira. Woo! Woo! Go celebrate. Get get drunk like Taylor Swift. We'll do it next week. Thanks for listening.